4: No brakes, no brakes, no fear, no fear, the official British Speedway podcast.
1: Welcome along. In the depths of winter, there's not a great deal of Speedway action for us to watch, but there's plenty to talk about across British Speedway with various team announcements happening. I'm Ian Brannan. In this episode, I'm going to be joined by Eurosport's Dave Rowe to look at the Premiership and Championship team announcements so far and what we make of the various moves at the AGM, where uh, a few tweaks have been made to how Speedway is going to look in 2023. We also catch up with one or two people who have been speaking at the various Hawkins that have been happening in the last week or so. We'll hear from Chris Van Strassen on bringing Rory Schlein
5: back to British Speedway. It took me completely by surprise. When I first got the message, I, I didn't realise that's what it was about, you know. he will all right, boss? I'm on my way back. And I didn't realise that, that he was on about competing again. And Alex Brady on bringing Christoph Kasparzak back to the Adrian Flux
2: Arena. It's cost him a lot of money. He's not here to make the numbers up. He's not here to put up on the center Green after, uh, after you know, lap two if he's not at the front. And he's here desperate
1: to win. And we have a good catch up with Ben Duffel, one of the men behind BSN, the British Speedway Network, on their successful 2022 and their plans for 2023, which includes not only 35 championship meetings, but 19 premiership meetings coming to BSN next year. It's all on the way on No
4: Breaks, No Fear. No Breaks, No Fear, the official British Speedway podcast.
1: Welcome along. Well, here we are. Christmas just around the corner, Santa's packing his sleigh, some gifts have already been delivered to Speedway fans up and down the country, a few more set to arrive between now and the big day, and certainly before the start of next season, and I just thought the idea of doing this podcast was to update um, everyone on on what's been going on really in the background of British Speedway. We had the AGM, of course, there's various team building announcements being made, there are plans afoot for 2023, and uh, really just to, to update you on all that we know at this moment in time and uh, joining me throughout this episode is Dave Rowe of uh, Eurosport but of course Speedway journalist and he's been very much in the thick of everything that's been happening across British Speedway and the various announcements you might have read about in the Speedway Star Uh, and um, Dave it's looking like an exciting year you know we're heading into a different era now because I know that 2022 was a, a relatively normal year 2023 set to be even more like the old days particularly with restrictions being relaxed for riders uh, racing in different leagues and and also travel restrictions now much easier than they were a year ago and uh, really looking at a a different time now for british speedway and some exciting team announcements and uh, it's looking like an exciting year 2023
0: yeah i'd agree with that it's um, it's good to see what's happening um, so far certainly in terms of riders coming back to the UK and you mentioned a couple of the reasons why they've been away for the last two or three years so very positive signs there certainly with some of the uh, the premiership teams that we're seeing declared so far. Um, I think that was always the the aim from what was rubber stamped at the AGM. I think most, most of the things that happened at the AGM we were aware of what was likely to. Perhaps the, the big change or the big surprise on the day was the the championship's Uh, different fixture schedule to what we've been expecting but largely the AGM was as expected and yeah I I agree with you what we've seen for the next two or three weeks or so has been decent teams being built um, a lot of excitement for next year obviously everyone has to get through the winter and it's tough for people we we understand that but yes there is real yeah real encouragement that uh, come March April next year then I think we're gonna have a a decent uh, a decent church look forward to
1: Let's have a look at some of those things then that, that were rubber stamped at the AGM. As you say, these are sort of the end of a, a long season, long of, of, of negotiations in many respects. I remember the, the championship um, management all getting together um, on that night, the day, the day before Cardiff, you know, the middle of summer or whatever it was in August and a hot day. And that's where the, the some of the decisions were being made even then. But a change to the league points now. This came off the back of um, a bit of a public survey, didn't it? Ask the fans what, what they think. People have got their opinions on it. But the old-school old, old school aggregate bonus point is back.
0: Now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that. I always was. We've not had the aggregate bonus point since uh, the late 2000s, although it's carried on in um, in Poland and Sweden. I understand the rationale behind what we've done in in recent years in terms of giving points to away teams or giving you extra points for winning by, by a certain amount. Um, I felt... The league table to an outsider was far too complicated. Uh, It had about 17 different columns for all the different things you could do. I think this does simplify things and I think generally it adds more interest to meetings too, particularly for a team that might go away uh, in the first leg, if you like, of a league match and be going to be losing by 14, 16 points. There's still an incentive there to to make sure it doesn't get any worse because they may feel they can come back and turn that round at home and get the extra point. So I think generally that keeps more meetings alive. We have a more straightforward system of two points for a win, no points for a defeat. We still have superheats. Now I know that divides opinion as well. What I will say is that the three superheats that happened in the premiership last season for the 45 all draws, they all threw up really exciting races it gives you an extra race with the top boys on the night going for it for an extra league point you still get something if you lose that super heat you still get a league point so you're only gaining one by winning it you're not losing one by losing that super heat so i'm in favor of the changes i think they're about right i think it will make our our league table also far more straightforward to understand
1: and super heats in the championship as well which is of course a, a new development and i think in in this last season in 2022 we would have had what potentially five super heats in the championship if they, if they're in so a good chance of seeing one through the course of the year maybe i think so and and also
0: importantly we're seeing this across all three leagues what we are now unifying the format across the sport and this is something that also is quite was quite hard to explain in previous seasons three leagues all running different formats. And even if you got to a situation of a, of a tie at the end of a grand final, you'd have the premiership that would solve it with a superheat, the championship with golden heats and the national league, I think it was going to be a two man runoff. So we've got all that thrown together now unified and, um, I'm sure, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's a good chance that you will see a 45 or draw at your track or involving your team at some stage um, in the season, in which case you you get the extra race. Um, Like I say, the the ones I saw last year were entertaining. Um, It's almost like a pairs race because, um, well, it is a pairs race effectively because second and third is better than first and fourth. That's the extra point. Um, To me, it it adds to the meeting. I don't have a problem with it. And um, I think it was a good addition. And I'm I'm pleased it's been, well, actually slightly extended because, of course, it it exists in the the normal, the one-off meeting, but also if there's an aggregate draw as well. So there's almost like
1: two opportunities to have one. It's the extra drama, isn't it? The, you know, people can say that they they're not in favour of it or whatsoever, but I defy anybody to to be at a meeting like that, and and, and you've got a horse in the race, and it comes down to a super. It's got to be exciting, hasn't it? Because somebody's going to win and lose there and then. It's the old penalty shootout. It's what we want. It's that you know how we want meetings to be resolved.
0: Yeah, this is it. Sport has moved on in in the last uh, twenty years or so, and we're not the only sport to use playoffs. We're not. Look look back at um, British finals before the the mid nineteen nineties. Run on the 20 heat format. Now, nowadays you wouldn't dream of running a, a British final that doesn't have a, a final, a, a deciding shootout at the end. Everyone knows that someone can score a 15 point maximum. It doesn't automatically mean they win the meeting. But the thing is now, the riders these days they've grown up in that format, in in, in Grand Prix, in, in big meetings. There's a final. That's that's how it happens. And and we're in the entertainment industry. We want to obviously we want the worthy winner as well. But we're in the entertainment industry, and quite often that that means a big finish. That means towards the very end of your meeting, that's when things are decided. Now, you can't totally, you can't manufacture that throughout. If someone's winning 60-30, that's how it is. But if you've got a close meeting and they finish level, then why not find a way to sort it out?
1: Well, on the subject of close meetings and finishing level, uh, one thing that will not be in doubt anymore our close finishers at the finish line because transponders are coming into British Speedway right across the board and um, this will mean certainly for referees that there's no doubt about who finished first or if anybody was moving at the start line Um, and we're also going to get much more data from these devices as well, Um, timing data um, obviously race results and and so fans are going to have a greater level of information coming from the races and from the bikes Uh, and we're also going to have a different life for referees up and down the country and uh, in judging winners and, and final positionings and all that kind of thing, there'll be uh, no doubt anymore.
0: Yeah, and something that some people don't realise is the fact that um, many of the referees' boxes are not actually fully in line with the start-finish line. Um, some of them, like Wolverhampton and Birmingham, are, are, are offset by some distance down towards uh, down away from the, the start line towards Ben one. Others might be in line with the start line, but the referee where he sits for the control panel, he or he or she sits, um, isn't quite in line. So there there is sometimes sometimes some mitigation if there's some some controversy. But as you say, this will sort stuff out. Um, Jamie Courtney, I spoke to him a few weeks ago to to explain this, and he was very clear. Speedway here is not doing VAR it's not trying to re-referee meetings but what it is trying to do is offer this this certainty that can sort out um, as you say the close finish also the uh, the jump start there, there should be a uh, there's going to be we're going to have start finish line cameras as well so um a jump start or whatever uh, the referee will have information for that very very quickly um and there's also several aspects of it the timing Obviously, we won't we will know for certain uh, race times, track records, etc., and all sorts of other data during races. Some of the things you've seen in Grand Prix and European Championships in recent years, um, speeds and so on. This this sort of thing, I think, will come in as we go. But they'll start off with the with the basics. Um, the transponders will be at, at all the tracks during 23. I think it's a, a big, big positive. Looking forward to the looking forward to it. Yeah.
1: Now, the data, as you mentioned there, not only shared with referees, but with TV companies, Eurosport and BSN will have access to some of the data from the transponders. Um, And do you know what? People love heat times. I tell you what, if BSN has had one request for anything, it's heat times. People always asking about them and they have been difficult to get hold of. But heat times, well, if you love a heat time, you're going to love a transponder. Uh, so that kind of information is going to be available and, um, and, and up to date information from tracks around the country as the meetings are going on. The, the information is going to be uh, available pretty much instantly.
0: Yeah, and it might mean that um, that race times could go back in speedway star, which has been a bit of a bugbear for people over uh, over recent years. I, I know that. So, um, so yes, um, I don't, you know, I I, I realise that. Some people might uh, think we're going to be having an overload of technology or an overload of information, but I don't, I don't see it being like that at all. I think, it, from what I understand, the system is very straightforward to operate. Um, the, the clubs and certain key staff at the clubs will get a bit of training into what they do, but the transponders are going to be at the tracks. They're all going to have, um, I think, 14 transponders Delivered and, and, and literally handed out on a race night um, to the riders, so the riders don't have to buy the kit. Um, it's really straightforward, and there's then um, an app which I believe is, is used, which the referee has access to the information, and the various people who need to display this information to the public and so on. Um, I think it's a it's it's a it's a big step forward. It's something that's required uh, because, as Jamie said himself, we're the only motorsport who haven't been using this technology. Watch a Formula One race, watch a MotoGP, and you see a, what they call a timing tower in the, on the left-hand side of your screen with the positions and all the gaps. And all the gaps, they update within you know, every timing loop, every few seconds. The gaps are updating. Now, okay, our races are only a minute long, so um, maybe that's not quite so, so relevant, but it seems pretty fundamental in a, in a sport that, has close finishes um and, and so on um we can get an accurate definite view we know the numbers
1: we get we're going to get the gaps um i think it's only a good thing absolutely now let's um talk about the premiership in general because um of course we've got first of all a new team the Leicester lions who got to the grand final in the uh, in the championship and uh, unfortunately lost out from for for their supporters away at Kings Lynn which was their home track for the night because of how things panned out but looking ahead to the new year um there's some work going on at the track there, but they're making the move up to the Premiership, and uh, they've made a cracking start to building their uh, their team as well. Pretty impressive.
0: I, I think the move makes sense for Leicester. I think it. Funny enough, it made sense for them to move down uh, three or four years ago, but they've they've stabilised the club, um, and they're now moving back up. And I think it's a good time to do so. And yeah, very very good and ambitious. Um, team building which has been complete this week with uh, Justin Sedgman and Jay Callan completing the side but but higher up uh, they went and got Max Frick so they went and got an out and out number one. Um, In fact they they have three riders who were number ones at their tracks this year when you throw in um, Richard Lawson and Chris Harris um, and you bring in Nick Morris too who is an out-and-out track specialist and certainly worth more than the 6.5 point average around Leicester because you would have seen in yourself in the Championship how, how strong he is around Leicester um, so it's a good looking Leicester side with
1: Dan Thompson as rising star and there's no doubt that he'll take scalps as well um, at, at that level and they're going to have some home advantage aren't they Leicester it is a, it's a different track it's certainly not the kind of track that many of the, the riders who have been blasting around the continent or the National Speedway Stadium. It's not that, It's, but it's not Monmore either. It's, it's got its own quirks to it. People like Nick Morris, as you say, have got experience around there, know it well. You can imagine, I think, Chris Harris, obviously, is pretty pretty good around there, along with Richard Lawson. Dan Thompson, of course, yes, he's a rising star at number seven, but again, a handy rider has grown up around that place and they've got a lot of, a lot of home track, not just um, advantage in general, uh, but of course, home track specialists in their team.
0: Yeah, Richard Lawson certainly flies around. Uh, he's done so on several occasions for his, his club or even as a regular guest at Leicester. It's quite interesting. I've spoken to both um, Justin Sedgman and Jay Cowan in the last few days about joining. They're, they're the most, most recent signings. Both of them have talked about how they want to get on track at Leicester pre-season and get some laps in because it's, it's so tough to go there two or three times a year as a visiting rider when you start becoming a home rider and get to learn it really well we see it in the, in the National League all the time the the youngsters that are going there for the first time it, it takes them some some time just to get the hang of it very unique circuit an improved racing circuit, no question, in the last three or four years. They've done some work on it. It's a better racetrack. Certainly people will see in the Premiership better racing than they did in the previous era at uh, Paul Chapman & Sons Arena. And, um, yeah, and, and also extensive investment after the trouble they had with the, with the track towards the end of the season with the weather. Lots of new equipment coming in, um, drainage being repaired, um, lighting being improved. Um, so I think we'll see a, a, a general freshening up at Leicester come next March time.
1: I think they're taking some of the centre green up as well, aren't they? Then sort of tarmacking that over because that was a buster thing. He was saying with the problems that they had at the end of last season with that, with that playoff final, you know, there was nowhere to... Dry the shale out. You know, it was if there was somewhere to dig it up and, and lay it out. And that's exactly what they did at King's Lynn before that grand final. Took the shale off because it was wet there that day, took it off, let it dry out on the infield, and then they put it back on again. And that's the sort of thing that they're maybe going to do and give them a few more options to, to be able to work on the track when, when the conditions are tricky because also getting equipment on and off the track was also damaging the track further, wasn't it? I think.
0: That, your, your second point, absolutely there about the equipment getting it on and off was, yes, causing trouble and also taking a great deal of time to, to move. It's uh, the way that the layout there... Um does make it tricky for machines to come on and off, especially during a meeting. And certainly, tarmac in that centre and allowing more space for that to happen and shale, if required, um, it's going to make the whole thing a whole lot more efficient. So, fair play, they've they've they realise what the what the issues are. They're going to do something about it. And uh, fingers crossed, the uh, the weather plays ball to an extent over the winter, so it can be done. You know, hopefully, fairly early in the winter. And then I'm sure they'll look to get bikes on track there, sort of March time, and get some practice sessions done and and really get things moving.
1: Exciting times for less fans and their team is now complete then and uh, a few other teams complete in the Premiership as well of course uh, Bellevue uh, announced their side a couple of weeks ago and um, headline act there of course is Dan Bewley and great to see the reigning British champion back in British Speedway at uh, well a track that we know well he, he loves very much brilliant to see Dan Bielly back in in, in British speed. I know
0: he wanted to be um this year but the regulations didn't quite uh, allow for that and he'd committed to to Sweden already but brilliant to see Dan Bielly back in back in the UK and uh, and then of course Mark Lemon had the the job to do to work out who of his uh, his winning team he was going to retain for, for next season it, it ended up with Max Frick uh, who was of course injured in the end anyway um, going to going to Vesta there's no Matty Zagar next year but Brady Kurtz did a great job as, as captain and he's back um, really interested to see Jamin Lidsey back in, in, in the UK as well um, possibly uh, not gone quite to the top like we thought he would certainly a, a rider who Needs more racing, I think, because he was a, a massive talent and still is a massive talent. So I'm, it's good to see him back, although I think he broke his scaphoid in, in Australia at the uh, at the weekend. So speedy recovery to, to him for that. I think he'll be exciting. Norwich Bledorn did well and and only going one way better. Tom Brennan back in. And they went for Jake Mulford as Rising Star, which is, uh, uh, again, it's progression because he rode for them in the um, in the Colts this season. So you can see the, uh, the team-building ethos. Charles Wright as well, solid uh, man in the, in the middle order. Um, no doubt in my mind, Bellevue will be will be there or thereabouts Uh, are they as strong as the team that took the title this year i think that's open to open to question but we know how good they're going to be around their around their home track Um, and i'm sure an
1: exciting year lies ahead well, Mark Lemon is not only the Bellevue team manager, he's also the CEO. He's been talking about his team selections for 2023 with Hayley Bromley.
6: Mark Lemon, you have just unveiled your 2023 Bellevue ATPI Aces and the reception has been immense. Talk us through your team. Are you happy with the guys you've picked? Well, of course. Um, I'm delighted to finally get the team out there. Um, obviously, it's a very sort of uh, uneasy sort of time when you're building teams and you just want to get you know, the signatures on paper. But uh, to get this seven together, um, couldn't be happier. Um, to bring Dan Bewley back to British Speedway, I think it's a real coup for Bellevue and the British Speedway. Um, we're delighted having him back, and it feels like it's a, it's a homecoming. Um, so that's great. Um, another catch, obviously, Jamie and Lindsay to come back to the, the UK. Uh, that's what British Speedway is crying out for, these, these top you know, riders come back. He um, feels like I of our go home again. And Norik, Tom, Charles, um, we're delighted to have them back so uh, looking forward to it and obviously young um, J- Jake Mulford, you know he's, he's progressed from, from the Colts into the Rising Star program and he's quite exciting and very, very good at going so absolutely absolutely, bring it on I mean we've got a title to defend next season some of the names from the uh, reigning champions not rejoining us uh, for the new campaign and we wish those guys all the very very best but do you think you've got the septet to defend the crown next year yeah we've got Norah as well so uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's you know obviously Ryan's not returning. You know it's obviously you know, hard to, to leave anybody out, um, and obviously we have to build a team to a, a regulation um, points limit. So you know we knew that we we're going to have to break the team up one way or another. Um, you know Matt Fruit's been a great servant to the club, and Matty, Matty Zagar, he's just coming in and just was a revelation these last twelve months, and um, you know obviously it's disappointing not to be able to bring him back, but. You know, obviously, we can kind only of fit seven of the team. Um, and Joe Etheridge is all, also the same. You know, like He's uh, done a sterling job for us and um, you know, we, we move on. We do indeed. Well, Mark, we are so excited to see these guys in action. Cannot wait now until Press Day next year. All the best for your trip back to Australia over the winter. Have a well-deserved break. Let's bring on the 2023 campaign
1: couple of um, notes on injuries, good and bad news. First of all, the bad news, Jimon Lidsey has broken his wrist in Australia um, just this last weekend, and so he has to have surgery on that. Um, best wishes to Jimon. Surely he'll be good for the season, but it uh, does somewhat throw a spanner in the works of his Australian Championship ambitions, which take place straight after the new year, um, very, very early January, and uh, you can't see him really being fully fit for that uh, at best. Um, Charles Wright, though, has had surgery on his shoulder. And um, from what I've heard, he's he's sort of feeling like a new man and back to his best once again. And I think perhaps that uh, shoulder issue has been holding him back a little bit. And he's confident he's going to be as good as new for 2023, which um, is is an exciting prospect because we know what he can do. And we know how good he was
0: uh, the year he won the British Championship, which was uh, 2019. He very well for Peterborough that year, and that, and then he made the move to to Bellevue, um, and probably with a bit more responsibility next year because this year they had a very strong top three once Matty Zagar came in. Well, next year he will be that third man. I was amazed when I saw his, his average in the Championship at um, at Redcar and how how low it was a seven seven point something, knowing how well he rides around that track and how how exciting a rider he is. So. Yeah, if he's sorted out the issues and we know shoulders and collarbones and whatever are always a, a bugbear for, for riders and it's a sort of injury that you, you ride with, you try and manage, but you can't, if you haven't got the full movement you want or it's jarring or whatever, it, it's an issue. So if he's got all that clear, then let's see if he can get back to, to to what he was doing. I think he was at his peak about three years ago, just before just before
1: COVID and uh, he's still young enough definitely to to make that impression again. So that's Bellevue. A couple of other teams completed their lineups this week as well, uh, one of which you were uh, on stage hosting, Dave. You, you were there firsthand. Kings Lynn announcing their full 1-7. to seven. Um, Obviously, we already knew Frederick Jacobson was returning, but the, the other remaining six were uh, really, um, well, a mystery or a, a badly kept secret, uh, depending on, on where you where you read online. But um, a, a much more solid-looking um, one to seven on the face of it for Kingsland this year, and uh, of course the the key talking point, uh, the rabbit out of the hat, if you like, we uh, Christoph Kasparzak, the former world number two, making a comeback.
0: Yes, and uh, as expected, that uh, that was certainly the the big talking point of uh, Monday night at uh, Kingsland. No no surprise there. I find this a really interesting Kingsland team for a couple of reasons, and obviously Kasperzak is one of the big ones because he. Let's be honest, we know he's a we know he's a class rider on his day, we know he can score fifteen point maximums. Um, we also have seen the worst of KK as well, and Kingsland will desperately hope that they get the best of him for the majority of the season. Why do I find it an interesting team? Well, obviously on the on the one hand, people will say. Where's your out out number one? Are you gonna struggle in heats thirteen and fifteen? They have riders like Nikolai Clint, who again we know can be really good on his day. They've brought back Michael Palmtoft who is strong at Kings Lynn. Thomas Jorgensen is part of the furniture there. Um where's it where's it gonna be strong? Well you've got Frederick Jacobson who starts at reserve but won't be there for long. He gets a new average very, very quickly next season. They're effectively gaining a couple of points in team building on that. They've got Josh Pickering on an average of 6.1, I think it is, um, because the averages were calculated on the last 10 matches of the season, and he had a bit of a tough time towards the end. He'd had a crash at Ipswich. He wasn't at his best, but we know how good he is. Kingsley, and of all the teams in the Premiership, are a side who have, have built quite clearly with riders who they feel have got far more improvement in their actual numbers. Now, if enough of them do make that improvement, and Kasperzak himself is on 6.8, if they do make that improvement, then they're going to be a tough nut to crack. The question will be, if it gets to a close Heat 13, Heat 15, have they got the firepower, or will
1: they be so strong as a solid all-round team unit? Will that not matter? Will they have the points in the bag by then? Well, you were on stage hosting this you were with Alex Brady the Kingsland team manager and here he is uh, chatting about the decision to bring Christoph Kasparzak back to British Speedway
2: Christoph again is someone I've spoken to for around about 18 months I uh, first over, we, we spoke and we weren't far off doing a deal for this season but again he committed to Sweden quite early and obviously with Poland as well so he couldn't do it for last year or to see him just gone um, I'm aware there's obviously going to be mixed reactions with Christoph because as you mentioned uh, he's a bit of an enigma um, however when he's on form, there's, I truly believe he's one of the fastest riders in the world speeder. You speak to any rider there is, um, and they'll tell you he's the fastest man in practice. No one's quicker than him in the, in the practice, and he, um, he, he, he rides his place really, really well. And he, he contacted me, he's keen to make it a, a, a bit of a swan song in England, and he's told me he's here to win the league, in one reason, one reason only. It's a five-figure investment for him to be here, um, starting with a two. So it's cost him a lot of money. He's not here to make the numbers up. He's not here to put up on the centre green after uh, after in you know, a lap two if he's not at the front. Um, he's here desperate to win, and yeah, he's he, he rode well with with Fred, and obviously they've got a really good working relationship. And you know he's been speaking to to myself and Fred a lot while we've been away. And uh, yeah, he's he's really excited by the challenge. He, he loves the track here, and he's desperate to try and, to win the league one more time here in England before he, before he retires. So yeah, he's. I suppose I saw somewhere online, might be someone in this room, say it's a bit of a Bjornie Pedersen kind of style, um, and I think they're possibly quite right with that. Um, so, yeah, he's he's a good team man. He's really been involved already with, with what we've been trying to build, and I'm I'm really excited by having him here. And uh, yeah, I think he's he's equally excited by the prospect of coming back to England. The, the remaining six, even even Jason as well. We we don't have just Josh as a captain. We we've got six stroke, seven captains within there. Um, I don't really do a lot to be honest. Uh, I was getting together and, and they talk amongst themselves and Josh leads, Nikolai coming in it was a it was a massive thing as well. Um, you know, it effectively led the team with them as well and, and Thomas last season too. So it's it's something that we work as a group, um and by by maintaining that continuity of over five at the same seven from last season I think that will that sounds a good stead and the two characters we've added within that as well, Tofti and obviously Thomas are best friends and Tofty really should be part of the furniture at Kingsley anyway. Um, and, and Christoph is, is a rider that gets on well with everybody in the team and, and say very good friends with Fred so we should have uh, a great team spirit, should have a team that wants to work for each other and, and, and do well for each other and yeah I'm really looking forward to it and uh, yeah we've, we've lost two riders from last season that you know, were, were great for us but I think what we've replaced them with for my, for, in my opinion is, is, a, is a step forward
1: Alex Brady, there, the Kings Lynn team manager, says that it's it's a step forward, and you've got to look at that lineup. and And if you're a Kings Lynn fan, surely you've got to feel confident of of having a good shot at the playoffs at the very least. And after that, of course, it's a bit of a lottery. But it it does seem a, a more solid lineup than this time last year.
0: I think so, yes. And and obviously, when when Jakobsen does move up, their their model is that uh, they'll have a strong rider going at reserve, and that will be depending on how the figures work out, to either either Thomas Jorgensen or even Josh Pickering for a time, depending on, on how the early season scores go, um, which probably probably quite a frightening prospect for, for others. Um, so I think it's an interesting, interesting team build. I think there's no reason why it wouldn't work out. And it's good to see them also um, stick with Jason Edwards because he, he came in uh, mid-season. He had a great race with Jason Doyle at one point. He, he beat some good riders towards the end, and that's what the Rising Stars all about. So it's good to see them sticking with him.
1: That's the Kingsland Stars then, another team who are now complete are the Wolverhampton Wolves announcing their final signing. Steve Worrell making his way back to Monmore for 2023. But the big talking point is the arrival back at Monmore of former captain Rory Schlein. Uh, now, we'll talk more about Rory in a moment. First of all, let's hear from Chris Van Stratton talking about that decision to bring Rory Schlein back into British Speedway, which came as much as a surprise to Chris Van Stratton and Peter Adams as it did to everyone else. Here he is with Ryan Guest.
5: We've always practised and preached loyalty and we've kept the bulk of the team from, from this season and Rory coming back took us all by surprise. But um, you know, we just reflected around a few hours but we thought no, you know, we need to bring Rory back. He was a terrific servant in those years at Monma Green. He's got his appetite back, he wants to come back to the UK and you know he wanted to come back. We were his first choice, so we we took him back into back into the team. At the same time, you know, we'd released Nick Morris. Who Leicester expressed that you know they needed the continuity and to keep Nick with them for this coming season. So we released Nick. Rory fits into his uh, place, and then we just needed you know some new blood at number six. And we're very excited by uh, all the reports we've heard about Zach Cook. And he was 23 years of age, you know, and um, probably not an overnight sensation. But from what we've heard, he's an exciting young rider. With with a lot of progress still to be made, so um, hopefully that will be with a Wolverhampton Wolf on his on his race shirt um, during the coming season. Yeah, like you say, the big
7: talking point was the return of Rory Schlein, Obviously retired at the end of 2021, moved back to Australia with his family. Uh, what when he rang you and, and told you what what were his thinking to, uh, about moving back to the UK and not only moving back to the UK but but taking up Yeah.
5: Well, as I, it, it took me completely by surprise when I first got the message, I, I didn't realise that's what it was about. You know, he uh, will write, "Boss, and I'm on my way back," and I didn't realise that, that he was on about competing again um, in not only you know in, uh, in Premiership but also in Championship. So, full time Speedway rider again, which which I didn't expect. I don't think anybody expected. You know, but he's he's um, fully fully intent on reaching the heights of his career that he's had before, and I'm sure giving him a you know a few meetings to blow the cobwebs away, he probably will do. And he's already had a meeting back in Australia, you know, to see how it feels, and apparently, you know. <laughs> Tired a little bit towards the end, as to be expected, but during the qualification heats was very competitive.
7: Yeah, people with close ties to, to Wolverhampton and Mama Green will know about the, the seven-year cycle, 2002, 2009, 2016. So um, if you add that on, 2023, and uh, it would be nice to, to bring some success back to Mama Green because it has been a, a while
5: now. Of course it would, yeah. I mean, we've, we've flattered to deceive in recent years, you know, and, and we haven't really produced it when it matters. Um, but you know hopefully this coming year you know we, we, we hope to do that but then we st- every March we feel the same and it, it hasn't worked out the last few years but and as you say hopefully you know um, I am a superstitious guy by nature and so maybe you're right. Maybe it is It is every seven years when I get it right.
7: I look at the bigger picture as well, because at one point you were, you were unsure whether you'd still be here as promoter um, heading into 2023. And the, this, the addition of a seventh club and, and Leicester was, was pivotal
5: to, to you staying on with Wolverhampton. Of course, you know, I, I believe the sport needs, needs to progress. And to progress, it needs a healthy uh, premiership. And uh, we needed more numbers than six. I understand, except that, you know, we couldn't take too many teams at the one time because there is a a rider shortage, not only here in the UK, but throughout the most of Europe. So um, we needed to just take one team in and hopefully that'll set a trend. And, you know, in a few years time, we'll be up to eight, nine, ten teams, which, which is what we, uh, we dream about.
7: Yeah. And just very finally, a look at the 2023 Premiership product. A lot of teams are nearing completion now if they're, they're not already. Um, great to see the, the likes of Dan Bewley back and, and looking like a competitive league once again.
5: Excellent. It's, it's great to have, to have him back, you know, and uh, we're glad that, the, you know, the, the PZM and the ruling authorities in Poland have relaxed those rules, which kept riders out of the UK over the last couple of years. We're glad, you know, the cooperation, and yet it looks a very healthy and entertaining league. Chris, all the best for the winter. Thank you very much. Wolves
1: promoter Chris Van Straten with Ryan Guest there, so a very familiar looking lineup to Wolves. Um, no major changes really. Uh, Zach Cook, the um, key addition really to the Monmore side, and uh, Rory Schlein coming back and uh, winding back the clock.
0: Yeah, I don't have any doubt that 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 Rory Schlein will come back in in good condition and with and with good equipment. He's only been away from from racing for a year. Um, it'll be a bit different to the fact that in 2020 everyone missed the season. Um, whereas he's coming back this time when everyone has raced a full season, so it might take a little bit longer to get back up to full speed. But um, I'll say fitness-wise and, and equipment-wise, uh, no doubt there. And Wolverhampton, as you say, it's a familiar team, and and, and that is um, always the way. At, at Wolves, they are loyal to their riders, and they, and they get that loyalty back from riders. They 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 work with who they. Are confident with and who and who they trust um sam masters is um an excellent number one and really pushed on and, and, and taking over as captain um people like luke becker ryan douglas have, have been there for, for a while as well they're going to need I, I think they're going to need one one rider it doesn't really matter who it is to take a step forward a decent step forward next year because obviously there'll be fans who said well i'm going to you lost heavily in the playoffs uh, against sheffield and now you're bringing back a very similar lineup to next year. I think Zach Cook's a really interesting pickup at reserve. Um, he's got to learn the new tracks of course for him in the in the Premiership, but hey, we saw him fly around uh, Lynn in the Championship uh, playoff final a few weeks ago. A good talent, worth definitely going to be worth watching. Um, so I, again, I can understand... People who might have hoped Wolverhampton might make more changes, but I can also understand from their perspective, um, they don't tend to change too much, and you know they're going to be strong at home, and that's going to be certainly help them towards getting the playoffs.
1: Yeah, on the subject of Zach Cook, um, I mean, Chris Van Stratton there was saying all, all reports are that uh, he's pretty good. I mean, he's he has been very good for, for Pool Pirates over this last season. His brother Ben as well, uh, another rider who has yet to be announced in, in a Premiership team. And um, watch this space on that one, folks. But, um, you know... They they learn very quickly, and I remember the championship grand final at Kings Lynn. All the talk was, but the Cook brothers have never have never ridden um, at Kings Lynn before, and and they haven't got the experience. And then Zach came out, took a bit of a beating in heat two, came out heat five, went from fourth to second uh, on the last lap. And it's like, yeah, I think we can probably put that argument to bed now. <laughs> so very, very good riders indeed. And uh, they're going to be an exciting addition. And, um, and, and Zach getting his chance with, with Wolves is, is, uh, is a great opportunity. And um, another in the production line of, of great Australian talent that, uh, that Neil Middleditch and Matt Ford and, and Danny Ford now have, uh, have helped to introduce to, to British Speedway. Yeah
0: they've both done done really well the rumour mill would suggest that, that, that Ben Cook may well also be seen in the top flight next year but we'll we'll wait and see on that and certainly the, I'd say that the time is definitely right for them to do so, they've done their apprenticeship in the championship and I think they'll both be very strong in that um, in the championship themselves next season, no, no question about that, um, but uh, yeah, um, good time for them uh, Zach, once he learns one more hopefully he'll do it pretty quickly um, he'll be at reserve, there's some good reserves down there Definitely, but um, really interesting. Yeah, some always good to see new faces uh, in leagues who haven't uh, appeared before, um, and you, you find out more about a rider as well um, when you see how they adapt to a, a different level, different circuits. So yeah, lots to look forward to there.
1: The Sheffield Tigers, the most recent side, then to complete their lineup, and uh, I think many people will be unsurprised to see Adam Ellis uh, filling that that final berth, um, but again another strong lineup. They, they got to the grand final last year this year of course they're aiming to go one better a, a couple of changes uh, in and among there Um David Balego comes into the lineup, but they've retained the services of the likes of Jack Holder and Kyle Howarth which we've long known about and Lewis Kerr Tobias Mujillac is back as well but a different rising star Dan Jilks gets his chance now he was flying up until um, quite a bad injury wasn't it that he got last year riding for, uh, for Plymouth and um, up until that point Point, he was really setting the championship alight and now he gets his chance um, having come back from those injuries at Premiership Level 2.
0: Yeah, I would think that um, if you look at the teams as they are and I, I'm always always loath to make uh, predictions before you've seen all the teams at the start of the season. At the moment, uh, I'd say Sheffield look the strongest to me. They've, they've kept the bulk of their big guns from, from this season, as you say. They've added... Uh, who I think will do very very well indeed on the Sheffield track I think it will suit him funnily enough there's a good um, there's a real throwback to uh, old Swindon teams when you look at him and Adam Ellis and Tobias Mujerak in the same side. So there's a lot of familiarity there and, and, and team spirit. That looks good. Uh, Dan Jilkes, great to see him in, in the Premiership. I think he would have got his chance in the Premiership this year, but for the injury, um, he was named in the Peterborough squad this year. And I think that, that he would have had outings for them um, this season. So uh, as far as I know, he's uh, fully fit back in training and been back on a bike as well. So he's one to look out for. He's certainly a real talent Um you can't say with any confidence in mid-December that this team is going to be champions come next next September, October time. So much can happen between now and then. But certainly if I was a Sheffield fan, uh, I'd be looking forward to next year with with a great deal of hope.
1: The Ipswich Witches are a work in progress. They've announced Eric Riss this week to join uh, Jason Doyle, Danny King, uh, Kenyon Rue, and Jack Thomas in the lineup. Of course, a few of those were part of the Ipswich Witches in in 2022, including, of course, Eric Riss, who's who's back for more. Still, a few riders to announce there, but I think the um, interesting addition there is um, Kenyon Rue, who's a a rider who's been talked about um, quite a bit. Australian rider, um, of course, he knows Jason Doyle, and I think Jason Doyle's done quite. A a big um, hand in, in convincing him to to, to join Ipswich because there's a bit of interest from across the leagues and, and he had a decent season in Poland as well, didn't he, last year?
0: He did, yes. It feels a bit like... Um when Jamin Lidsey came over to Bellevue in the first place after previously being, uh, being, being based in Poland. I think it's probably of a similar nature to that. Certainly, if you've got the recommendation of Jason Doyle and you've spoken to Jason Doyle about coming, then that's a pretty good judge of, of rider, no doubt about that. Um, so I think it's an interesting move. And again, it's good to see a new rider coming in. And one of the criticisms of, of recently has been uh, too much similarity between Premiership and Championship. Well, uh, we're seeing that, I think, that that gap a change uh, next year in favour of some different riders in the, in the Premiership. So it's a new phase for Ipswich, which is good to see. Um, as you say, they there is um, uh, a couple of gaps still in their side that we don't know yet whether they're going to go for, try and get heat leader backing for Jason Doyle or go for more solid in the middle order. That's not been confirmed yet. I think everyone knew that Danny King would be back there. He's he's part of the furniture at, at Ipswich. Eric Riss was going well for them um, this year until he had his injury. And I think they have really they've missed him more than they thought they would. They made a couple of changes at the time because they'd also got the ben, the ben Barker issue to deal with. They weren't quite the same after that, so I think they'll be pleased to have uh, Eric Riss back. And, um, yeah, they've also um, gone with Jack Thomas in the Rising Star berth, and he's certainly worth a place in the uh, in the Premiership. So he's made the move from, from Kings Lynn. So um, I think the Ipswich... Question mark simply because we don't know how they're going to finalise and what what real structure they're looking at. Are they going to go top heavy or are they going to go for all-round strength behind Jason Doyle?
1: It's going to be a fascinating one to watch that. Uh, the Ipswich, which has still got a few spots to fill and maybe some exciting announcements to come when you look at uh, where some of their previous riders have turned up elsewhere. Maybe some new faces heading to Foxhall for 2023 yet. Um, let's have a look at Peterborough. There's not a great deal to say, unfortunately, because they haven't actually formally announced any riders yet. Um, I mean, the strong word is that Jordan Jenkins will be the rising star. But beyond that, no further news for Peterborough fans at this moment moment in time but on that subject i think all the rising stars elsewhere have all been named haven't they dave and explain to us about the rising star system because a few riders have moved out of that now daniel hume connor mountain tom brennan no longer part of the rising star setup um what's the plan after rising star what, how does life go for them and, and how do they then now kick on to the the rest of their careers out of the rising star setup and and how the other rising stars decided
0: yeah absolutely well a couple of things to to go through there first of all the Um, The criteria for, if you like, leaving the rising star system and that's based on either on um, achievement in the case of, of tom brennan so, and i'm not sure the exact uh, cutoff but the average that you achieve and he's clearly gone beyond that um everyone can see the system has worked for tom brennan he's he's now an established premiership rider so he is out of it on that basis although of course very much still back in at bellevue anyway um in the case of the other two riders you mentioned daniel hume and uh connor mountain that's based on age um i am told that the the actual age range for a rising star is supposed to gradually go down as years go on. So I think those those two are both around the mark of maybe 25, and maybe you could see in two or three years' time the the Rising Star cut-off would be maybe 22, 21 or so on and, and generally come down. Um So it's good to see new lads coming in, the people like like Dan Jilks, other clubs sticking with their riders. I think you're probably not too far off the mark with Peterborough uh, on, on that one with, with who they're likely to, to end up with. Um Now, we're told that when... When a rider uh, leaves the rising star system, they get a 25% discount on their average. So normally a British rider gets a 2.5% discount, but a rising star leaving that scheme gets 25%. So that's what uh, Tom Brennan, going back to Bellevue, uh, will be on 25% of his average from from this year. Um, as things stand, as, I, as far as I'm aware... Neither Connor Mountain nor Daniel Hume have a premiership place, certainly not one confirmed. Um, I found that disappointing, if I'm honest, because I think you know this. this both of those were success, successful rise with their teams, with Sheffield, with Connor, and with Ipswich, with Daniel, Both did their jobs. So I think if the system is working 100% perfectly, then riders who have done well with their clubs would find a place having come out of that scheme. So hopefully that will change in favour of them in the not too distant future um, and yeah hope, I, I, I'm very hopeful there will be a list uh, published, I know there was some discussion at the AGM um, in terms of exactly what the makeup was going to be of riders and there were maybe a couple who either were moved onto the list or moved off it or whatever so that that was definitely discussed at the AGM and certainly my, my intention as someone who is involved in maintaining the uh, BSP website is that as soon as that, that list is available uh, that will be there
1: That's Dave Rowe, uh, Speedway journalist that you'll uh, know very well I'm sure and uh, you'll read his works in the Speedway Star and and as Dave mentioned they're involved with the British Speedway website as well and of course a reporter for Eurosport with us on this festive episode of No Breaks No Fear as we look ahead to 2023 and what it might bring based on the information that we know at this moment in time. Now coming up in a little while we'll hear from Ben Duffel, the man behind BSN the British Speedway Network along with martin hunter and um, they're looking ahead to an even bigger 2023 with coverage not only from the championship but also the premiership we'll hear from ben in more detail very soon but it's the championship where we head next with myself and dave having a look through the team lineups that we know so far in the championship and that's all on the way in just a couple of moments
4: no breaks no fear the official british speedway podcast Welcome back,
1: I'm Ian Brannan, and in this episode, our little festive edition. We're looking ahead to 2023, based on the information that we know at this moment in time. And don't forget, over the course of winter, you can listen back to some of the old episodes of No Breaks, No Fear. I mean, yeah, you know, some of the news might be out of date, but we've got some great interviews with some stars of British Speedway. We've had all sorts of people joining us. Danny King. uh, We spoke with uh, Tom Brennan, Sam Masters, uh, Josh Pickering. All sorts of people have been on uh, as guests through the course of the season. So go back and have a listen to those interviews and, you know, you might learn something about your favourite stars. Right now, we're going to focus on the championship, which is back once again for 2023 with a few tweaks into the format, a change to how the playoffs are going to work. We've got the new BSN series at the start of the season, and it was originally uh, talked about that there would be two home and two away fixtures for all of the championship sides to make the league season a lot busier, uh, make it a bit more all action. But um, that idea was changed at the AGM, and uh, I'm going to talk about that now. Because, Dave, is there a risk here then, just to play devil's advocate, if you're a side and you're out of the cup competitions and... your league season doesn't go well, somebody's gonna finish bottom of the table, of course. It just has has to be how it is. Um is there a risk really that your season could be over? Come, you know, say the end of the end of July, start of August? Isn't that a possibility, isn't it?
0: Well in answer to that question, the answer is very firmly yes. Um if you if you do have an unsuccessful season, if you are struggling, then obviously the, the format that we have next year would, would leave you with eleven Home matches so you'd have uh, eight in the in the league because thankfully we do have the nine teams with, with Edinburgh back in so you'd have the eight. And Say so you were knocked out of the uh, knocked out of the cup in the first round and didn't make any progress in the BSN series that would be two meetings there so that, that would be eleven. So yeah, absolutely, it would be a, would be a short season now. whether... If you're having a, a tough time, whether you want to do any more, then it becomes up to you. Um, I know Birmingham, for example, this year they finished uh, league matches very very early, and they they ran a couple of challenge matches against Coventry and Cradley, and actually got got decent crowds for those meetings. So there are things to do, but the definitely the rationale appears to be that if you're if you're having success, if you're still involved in competitions, those key meetings are the ones that are going to going to continue. End of August is the cut-off. That's quite clear for, for all leagues, and crack on with the playoffs, or indeed in the championship, the the, the mini league system in early September. Um, and I think the biggest problem, and you'll have experienced it yourself with with BSM, was the situation we've had in the last two years. If the championship playoff quarterfinals got delayed, if one quarterfinal got delayed, it was then put back the following week, and it delayed everything. And that's why we ended up at, at where we did at the end of October or beyond. So. The idea will be crack straight onto the playoffs the 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 league stage of the playoffs in early September. It's two meetings, two more meetings for each club and then I imagine... The grand final to be staged hopefully towards the end of September, where normally, fingers crossed, normally the weather the weather isn't too bad. But you've got more scope to play with if it does go wrong. So I can see it both ways. What I would say is for the the mini league at the start of the season, that is the only time to do that. I I, I wasn't particularly a fan of the. Uh, I know understand why the summer trophy was brought in when it was, uh, but as far as a regionalised three team tournament for me, the best time of the year for that is the start of the season. So it's good to see it back there.
1: Berwick Bandits are complete. I think they were the first team, weren't they, to sort of fully announce their their lineup. And once again, Rory Schlein makes an appearance in that lineup as well that we've talked about. Um, but um, they're also joined by uh, Thomas Jorgensen, who makes a return to the Berwick Bandits. Jonas Knudsen and Leon Flint and Jai Etheridge are back from uh, this last year. Connor Coles in the lineup as well, along with uh, Nathan Stoneman, who was part of the the uh, setup last year as well. So uh, a mixture of uh, familiarity and some old faces there, and uh, and Rory Schlein. <laughs> I think I think uh, I think Rory Shine will do well at Berwick. I think he'll uh, he'll go well round well around that
0: track. I spoke to Thomas Jorgensen on Monday at Kings Lynn. He actually said that he felt that uh, leaving the championship was a mistake from his point of view. He was trying to um, get things going in Poland, didn't really work out for him. So he'll be looking to establish himself as a big heat leader. Big year for Leon Flint. They've made made him captain. He'll be one of the youngest captains uh, in the sport, but he's certainly got those kind of credentials. Probably the key. You mentioned Eunice Knudsen, who looked good uh, in his uh, appearances. He'll be on that assessed average. So if he can make good inroads into that, then that's what will take them up. They've been they've missed out, haven't they, Berwick in the last few years? Often not by not by too much. This year they just lost too many home matches. Um, so top six out of nine, I think they'll certainly go in with a team that they think is going to be there or thereabouts to to challenge there.
1: They were very close this last year. It was just too many injuries at the wrong time, and they just had a, a run of you know three or four matches where they took a beating and and uh, things ran away with them slightly. We'll do it in, in alphabetical order. So there's Berwick. Let's go to Birmingham next. Now a club that I know that you you you, uh, you know probably more than any. And uh, Nick Morris making the move across uh, from the East Midlands to the West Midlands is quite a marquee signing, and and takes up quite a chunk of the the average there with ten point one three. To his name. Um, tell us about the team building there at uh, at the Brummies because Justin Sedgman's back, James Pearson's back and um, a, f- a few other faces from the past uh, making a return as well like James Wright. Yeah, waiting on, waiting on one, one rider to complete the Birmingham team. You're
0: absolutely right. Ten points does take up uh, a, a great chunk of, of team building. It's a completely genuine average. Nick Morris is a, an absolute out-and-out out number one in this league and, and does it home and away. Uh, so there's no no qualms there. And they've gone a different way to Oxford, who we'll come to shortly, who've also got the uh, the ten-point man on their side. So Birmingham, are more, a more in-depth approach. Justin Sedgman had a good year last year, justifies his average and, and his return. Um, and they are talked about other teams that talked about Wolverhampton actually in the premiership um I think they need, Birmingham need one of those other riders we've talked about Stefan Nielsen um, Alfie Botel etc uh, to make a a step up and if they do that then they'll challenge for the playoffs uh, I think James Wright's a good move uh, he's He goes well at Perry Barr, always has done and looked good there last season. So I think he's on a slightly false average uh, on that uh, sort of five and a half point mark. And James Pearson, second season, so time for him to kick on. We don't know yet who they'll complete their side with, um, but certainly after all the turbulence of takeovers and what have you this time last winter, I think the good news for Birmingham is that they're they're building a team. Here we are in early early to mid-December and they know what they're going with for next year. So again, fingers crossed for them, they can challenge.
1: One of the big question marks for the championship was Edinburgh Monarchs for 2023. Um, Thankfully, they are back at Armadale for one more season and a lot of teams were maybe circling like vultures around the Edinburgh team to try and uh, pick off one or two of their stars, but um, they're back. Uh, Sam Masters obviously departed the Edinburgh Monarchs to the Oxford Cheaters, and we'll talk about that in just a few moments. But uh, Josh Pickering is back and he's going to be leading the Monarchs in 2023.
0: Yeah, indeed, and, and obviously vitally important for them to keep Josh Pickering. Having having lost Sam Masters, and uh, there's no doubt that uh, Josh Pickering will be a good um, a good number one for them. Uh, this coming season, um, rumours obviously circulate as to who will join him at the top end of the team, and um, there are sort of various gaps, and you can look at who who may or may not, and we'll have to wait and see what what they confirm. But you know that Edinburgh will always do a good job in terms of team building, and they'll, they'll always be there or thereabouts. It's surprising; it's actually seven years since they they won the championship back in uh, in 2015, so um, they re- regularly make the playoffs. Haven't quite taken that that final step. Kyle Bickley is an interesting one coming in at uh, at reserve. He's had a tough time this year of course he started the year at uh at Berwick. Time for him to kick on now uh, and on a track where I know he's gone well in the past. He's guested for and against Edinburgh and indeed uh, racing in the National League too. Um, I think he's
1: probably key to their season, as things stand, whilst obviously we don't know their entire lineup. Yeah, a few familiar faces for the Edinburgh Monarchs. They've announced Kai Thompson this week, but he'll be joining Josh Pickering and Jacob Hook from the 2022 Edinburgh Monarchs and that uh, single edition so far, uh, new edition being Kyle Bickley at reserve. Uh, Uh, Still got 22.45 points to play with of the Edinburgh Monarchs. Uh, Next up then, their near neighbours, just a little bit down, the M8, the Glasgow Tigers. And uh, for them, well, uh, they've got their sights set on the very top and uh, on silverware, of course, because they came very, very close once again, getting to the playoffs, but frustratingly so near, but yet so far. And they've uh, run quite a few major changes to their lineup with some big outs, including Craig Cook and some big ins, including Chris Harris. I think it's a good-looking a good looking team so far,
0: albeit uh, awaiting confirmation, I think, on, on two riders. Again, the rumour, though, is in, it's in full overdrive as to who they will be. But I think it's a great-looking top three that doesn't take up a massive amount of points. When you look at uh, Harris and Basso, and I know Chris Harris didn't have a brilliant season by his standards with Glasgow the last time he was there. But he certainly came off, off the back of a good one this year. Basso is only going in one direction forward, as is as is Tom Brennan. So um, Glasgow's prospects, I think, look good. That they, they they will always be be up there. And Ace Piper is a fascinating newcomer to this league. And initially, I think his um, his aim will be to match or beat his peers in that in that reserve department. Take points off the other reserves. Certainly showed uh, as you mentioned on the twenty one final. He had that ride didn't he, at Bellevue uh, in the pairs in the Premiership pairs where he. Rode a brilliant first lap, and then unfortunately on a, on a really heavy, difficult track, uh, he lost it coming off the fourth bend. But just you see those little flashes of talent, and you see well that that's what a rider can do. And um, we've seen the way people can mature from a youngster around around Glasgow. So that's a, an interesting pickup as well. So I yeah, you know, without uh, being certain about who they're going to complete their side with, yeah, Glasgow looking good so far, and, and Novak if he can get round the away tracks, then again that that could make a mockery of his average.
1: And having the experience of somebody like Chris Harris in any team, and I think Berwick really benefited from this last year, and Leon Flint certainly benefited from it, and now similar, I guess, with, with Ace Piper, for example, even Tom Brennan, you know, being able to learn from the likes of, of Chris Harris, uh, you know, close up, it, it's got to be a, a boost off the track as well as on it.
0: Yeah, Chris will get involved, no, no doubt about that. I think uh, uh, there are several riders who do, to be fair. It's not just Chris, but generally as long as as long as long they see that the the young rider whoever is is taking the advice and listening then they're prepared to, to give of their time and i've seen it seen it with with chris on numerous occasions so uh, there's no doubt that if you have a rider with that experience in the uh in in the pits in your number one berth or your hit leader berth then you, you'd be mad not to uh, not to take advantage of that experience and i'm sure that he will do just that round, round glasgow
1: next up the oxford cheaters who are such a welcome addition back into british speedway and uh a great place to go and watch your speedway if you've not been, certainly add it to your list for next year, just for a night out if you're in the area. But they've gone fairly top-heavy, I think Dave would say. Sam Masters, 10.58. Top scorer in the Championship last season. Um, a huge number one. <laughs> there is definitely an out-and-out out number one. But they've also got some other big hitters in there with Lewis Kerr and Scott Nichols, And then uh, Cameron Heaps, Jordan Jenkins, Henry Atkins and Luke Killeen. Um They've certainly got some strength in that top five. I guess the question mark will be the... The reserve berths, but um, certainly going big this year, Oxford. Well, I'm sure that's the case. Um, Oxford was obviously we know
0: Oxford was a huge success um, this year in terms of the 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 regeneration, the return, the crowds, and whatever. What wasn't a success, unfortunately for them, was the league position because they finished second from bottom, only one point uh, off the bottom, which was, I think, with the team they had was a big disappointment. So it's no surprise they've made big changes fascinating way of doing it with bringing in as you say a 10.5 rider and two more big hitters in in Scott Nichols and and Louis Kerr that is some top three that's going to win races home and away um I think there's be interesting to see how it goes lower down um I like Jordan Jenkins a great deal I think he did a great job at a red car I like the progression element they've got too um with bringing in three from the Chargers so you can see that development with, with the club that's good I think Cameron Heaps is an absolute key for them to have a better season than he had um, this year. No, no question there. And they're going to have to keep those top three fit and in form. If they have a member of the top three off form for an away match or whatever, or heaven forbid someone gets injured and they're using rider replacement, that's probably where they could hit trouble. But as things stand, certainly they won't be short on race wins and uh, o- Oxford... They're going big to try and uh, have real success next year.
1: Plymouth Gladiators have made some big changes as well. Now, of course, they had problems at number one in in 2022 with uh, Eddie Kennett, who, um, despite what people say, he didn't actually just have one one race. Uh, He had a few uh, before getting injured. Um, By the way, here's a quiz question for you. Who is the only rider um, to um, have been beaten by Eddie Kennett in 2022? There's one rider and it's a British rider, one rider who was beaten by fair and square in the, in the only race by Eddie Kennett where he scored a point.
0: Oh, dear, I dear. I mean, the, that first of all requires you to know who they were racing against on that night. Um, <laughs> um, I think it would have been Poole. Right, okay. Um, so if he was racing number one, then he was then it would have been pro- probably in heat one. Um, so um, let me have a guess at Drew Kemp.
1: Yes, <laughs> Boom! Look at that. Hey, I retire. Eh? I'm, I'm, I'm that, gonna that's say, i my career now. I'm done. Wow! I'm impressed. You can remember who was riding at number two on that day. <laughs> well, I couldn't. that was a guess as well, but uh, yes. it was in there. It was in there, indeed. Uh, so anyway, they have got a number one now, and that is Kyle Howarth, who makes the move from Leicester. Um, Dan Jilks, Ben Barker, Richie Worrell, and Ben Trigger. Also announced, they've got a couple of spots left to fill there, um, but um, certainly looks like a solid lineup. If if Ben Barker can perform, as we know he can perform, particularly at home, uh, Richie Worrell always a good uh, good solid pair of hands as well.
0: Yep, good uh, good top end again. Richie Worrell flies around uh, Coliseum, got a maximum there at the end of the season guesting um, Kyle Howarth is a, a very very good campaigner at, at that level too and we know how good Ben Barker is obviously his season ended in uh, not the circumstances he would have wanted uh, Dan jokes key he'll be starting in the top five um, I'm sure with the way their, their team is built um, we've talked about him in the Premiership. I'm sure he'll come back okay from injury. It's a big step for, for young Ben Trigger, who's a, a lad that I saw at Leicester a couple of years ago in the National League and, and, and made good progress. And again, similar to Ace Piper, it's a case of trying to um, trying to beat his, his fellows in that, uh, in that position. And also with the fact that the Coliseum, he's obviously a, a technical track to ride a different
1: track. He's got experience there. So if he jumps out the gate then who knows who he might be well the reigning champions of course and the team to beat in 2023 will be the Pool Pirates who made it back to back league and cup titles Uh, so far though as far as the team announcements are concerned it's been fairly light on the ground Danny King has departed probably the biggest news Um, Steve Worrell though is back uh, and he'll also be uh, taking over as captain for the Pool Pirates in 2023 as well but I don't think any particular massive surprises there Um, what about any other further further announcements for the pool pirates um do you see any any further announcements on that on the horizon i don't think um We can expect
0: any surprises at the top end. The fact that they made that call on Danny King, which must have been a tough one because they got three three riders on very similar averages. So um, you'd have to make the assumption that the other two are back. Um, And also you'd have to make the assumption that the the Australians that we talked about in the premiership section um, see their their long-term futures there. You always know that Paul, whatever league they're in, are going to build a team that's going to be competitive right at the top. Okay, this year they didn't quite finish top, but they still got the job done in the playoffs they were the informed team and got it spot on Danny Ford and Matt Ford know what they're doing there so although the pool fans have had to wait and will still have to wait I think a bit longer I don't think they've got too much to worry about in terms of having
1: a, a strong sign in the championship they have definitely signed riders. I know that firsthand, so uh, <laughs> fear not. It's not like they're floundering round. There is a plan. Um, right, the red car bears, or is it the red car witches slash aces? Because we've got uh, Eric Riss, uh, James Shanes, Charles Wright, Daniel Hume, Danny King, Jason Edwards and Jake Mulford. Bit of familiarity here, of course. Um, Charles Wright, interestingly, was has been signed um, along with um, Jason Edwards onto a contract to include next year as well, and twenty twenty four. I am talking about so they they because I think they they felt that um, perhaps the vultures were circling. They wanted to have a bit of uh, surety about their lineup and not to be having to to battle to keep their own assets uh, and have them sort of wooed away. So an interesting move there to to try and uh, make life a bit easier for themselves next year by signing riders on uh, on longer contracts.
0: Yeah, I know they were frustrated to lose both. Um well, particularly Louis Kerr and Jordan Jenkins to, to Oxford. Um, I'm sure yeah, both both went well this year, so they would have probably wanted to keep them. Having said that, uh, breaking news, standby, kiss of death moment coming on, but Red Car are Uh-oh. my tip, as things stand, uh, to, uh, to be the strongest team in the Championship. I really like the look of this team uh, in that it has the, the strong top three. Um, mentioning Charles Wright on a lower average than, than you'd expect, I really like what they've brought in lower down. Um, Daniel Hume. I think was so unlucky not to get back in at Glasgow, um, but he took massive strides. Um, Jason Edwards is a, is a young lad going well. Uh, I think Jake Mulford Jake with the team place at Bellevue is going to be doing a lot more speedway next year and obviously um, gaining as he goes. Um, James Shanes was an interesting one. Uh, obviously, James sometimes struggles with his gating but I think at Redcar he will um, he, he'll enjoy that track and they'll provide with some spectacular action the top end looks good um, I can't fault that Redcar team I think at the moment as I say a long way to go uh, nothing's happened
1: on track yet but that to me that's the team at the moment Okay, watch this space, folks. And always a, a well-prepared track there. And uh, Johnny Swales and, and and the team at Redcar—they always put a, a great racing surface on, and always some great racing there uh, for uh, for the neutral. Uh, let alone the the sides involved. So, uh, well done to Redcar on a strong looking side there. Scunthorpe Scorpions have put together a familiar looking side um, both from um, last year and and from riders of past such as Michael Palm Toft making a return to the Scorpions. Simon Lambert comes back from last year as does Zane Kennedy. Joe Thompson and Connor Mountain are new riders heading for uh, the Eddie Wright Raceway with still two places to fill at uh, positions one and five you fancy certainly at the moment. They've got 24 points still to play with. You think maybe a Ryan Douglas size hole uh, at least to fill there Um, watch this space on that one but uh, Scunny looking uh, fairly solid throughout so far good looking side
0: Scunthorpe to me the as far as we know so far and you can make your own guesses as to who takes those final two places we'll have to wait and see to me it looks the best scunthorpe side i've seen for a while um michael palmtoff coming in there is a really solid addition to their their middle order i think he'll do it do a great job for them um connor mountain likewise goes well on that track zane kennedy was flying until he was flying literally um towards the end of the season and thank goodness he escaped largely unscathed from that that accident um and yeah joe thompson coming in at reserve i find it disappointing that Dan as as things stand who's got a 5.2 average hasn't got a place in the um, in the championship I find that very disappointing indeed but Joe is underrated himself and will do him good to get away from Leicester as a home track uh, in the championship and, and learn a different circuit um, no reason at all why he can't have the beating of several number sevens. Uh, I know Rob Godfrey's excited by the Scunthorpe team for next year and um, whether it's a league winning team, time time will tell, but I certainly think it's a playoff team.
1: It looks like everybody's capable of the playoffs, doesn't it? You know, there's no team there that you you really fear for. They've all got their strong riders at some point. Of course, it's that unknown um, of, you know, the acid test of actually putting the the team out on the track and and seeing how it goes, and of course injuries, as we know, can play a huge part. Ho- hopefully, we we don't have too many of them, but um, we you know, speedway is is that of that nature where these things play a huge part, and it's how how teams then react to that and uh, what 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 the plan B is, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it is, and we should we should certainly go into a season with all the teams having a realistic chance of um, of making the playoffs. And this is why we have the points limits and the Equalisation and obviously within that you can take your own uh, direction as to how you want to build your side and plenty of things come into play on that one. But this is the beauty of the sport uh, that when we get to to March April, every team should have their aspirations of, of making it. No one knows who's going to get affected too badly by injuries, loss of form, all those variables. But um, that that all gets worked out on the track. And uh, yeah, I think it's re- a really interesting uh, year ahead. And again, whilst I've so I've said who I think at the moment is looking good. That, that, that could all change very very quickly indeed
1: yeah it's the exciting part of the season where everybody's got a chance and uh, let's see how things pan out a um, couple of other things before we wrap up this section um Word about the National League, obviously they had their AGM a little later, so team building still very much a, a work in progress um, Much for much of the National League. But great to see Workington officially back, and they've already announced a couple of riders. Luke Harrison gets a spot, as does Luke Krang. with Workington looking to build Speedway's number one team of Lukes so far. Um, and uh, the other thing to look out for of course is that news sort of concerning news really with Mildenhall who made it to the grand final this year but now their future in doubt for for 2023.
0: Yeah, fingers crossed on on both those two clubs. They have until the 17th of January um to confirm um and indeed anybody else who wanted to get involved has until the 17th of January to to confirm. Um so let's keep our fingers crossed. I know uh, Hall suffered this year um and uh, it didn't help them also towards the end with the the long gap before the the final um and they've made it pretty clear that they do need some additional funding i know there's work taking place to try and achieve that let's hope they do because we don't want to lose venues and particularly a stand-alone venue at at milton also hopefully that will be okay and armadale um, there was a piece in Speedway Star uh, last week where where uh, John Campbell was explaining the situation there and they're hoping that some of the eligibility criteria open up a bit to allow certain riders into the league, which would help them particularly, uh, especially with the competition they're facing from, from Workington, which is brilliant to see Workington in and the work being done at, at Northside. Uh, but obviously up there you've got you've got Berwick as well um, and it would be good to see Armadale continue. So there's still the hope that they will be the eight clubs uh, at the uh, at the tapes. Obviously, Plymouth have chosen to to step away from that, but hopefully, we will get eight clubs. And I think we're heading into a year where the actual the talent pool, in terms of up and coming 15, 16 year olds, is stronger than it's been for for a while. We have some some. You mentioned Luke Harrison going in at uh, at Workington. There's certainly three or four more that are on that uh, on that list to be announced with teams. So my advice always: if you're fairly near a National League track, it is well worth going because you'll, if you're a speedway fan, you will see a rider or riders who you'll want to keep an eye on. So, yeah, let's hope we get those eight clubs to the to the tapes and have a good a good NDL season. Coming up in the next part, we're going to uh,
1: have a chat with with Ben Duffel, who is uh, one of the men behind BSN, the British Speedway Network, which brought live streaming and, and shone an extra light on on Championship Speedway really, and uh, I think a lot more people. Witness Championship Speedway, maybe some of which for the for the very first time, some of which elsewhere in the world, um, which was great extra exposure and uh, you know something new to to British Speedway, bringing the whole live streaming thing in, and and BSN will be back next season to to also complement the Eurosport coverage because Eurosport will be doing exactly the same as they did this last year, covering the the, the eighteen or so fixtures and the British final uh, and the culmination of the the Premiership season as well, of course, with the playoffs and the Grand Final. Come the crunch part of the the Premiership season, but um, great to to have an additional offering and, and and British Speedway fans have have never had it so good with with never so much Speedway uh, available to be, to be watched on on the TVs should they choose to to, to do that.
0: It's uh, it's something that worked quite simply, and it was a. Um It was a big commitment at the time and a a step into the unknown. Um, So I take my hat off to to Ben and Martin and everyone involved. Um, I know how much hard work went into it and some of the long hours, some of the travel and some of the, I I think I keep crazy schedules at some point, but some some of the the schedules of, of track to track on day to day was quite incredible. But I think it's ever more important and we know, we know the cost of living, we know the, the, the bills and whatever and how much it's cost to, to travel. And the reality is that people sometimes need different ways of being able to follow their team. It did work in the championship. Uh, I know the, uh, the viewing figures were, were very, very good. I'm sure that will be the case again next year. The, the offering itself, if you compare the offering from the first couple of events to the end of the season, that evolved as well really impressively. So there's no doubt that it found its place um, in the sport and pleased to see it being backed for next year and clearly going to do more. So, yeah, exciting times uh, to complement um, what's done on Eurosport uh, in the Premiership as well. Um, so you're absolutely right. There's there's certainly in terms of domestic speedway, um, you have the option if you cannot make it to the
1: track, um, you can still watch the meetings live and there'll be more and more to see. Good stuff. Well, cheers, Dave. It'll not be long before March, and then it'll all start again. And uh, how many meetings was you went to last year? Did you crack a hundred? Oh
0: dear, I think it was eight, eight. I think it was eighty-seven live, and then about another another twelve or thirteen
1: in in a TV studio. So yeah, it was uh, it was it was a lot anyway. Yeah, it's a fair amount of Speedway that. Well, maybe even more next year. Who knows? Um, it's going to be a big season, and uh, it'll be not far away cheers Dave cheers Ian. good speech to you and to every, everyone have a Merry Christmas Dave Rowe there looking at the chances of all the teams in the Premiership and the Championship and an update on what 2023 might have in store well one thing we did touch on there was BSN the British Speedway Network will be back in 2023 expanding their coverage not only covering 35 meetings at the Championship level but also now moving into the Premiership to supplement Eurosports coverage with further meetings from the Premiership clubs. And we'll hear more about that and the BSN journey from one of BSN's creators, one of the bosses, Ben Duffel, will be with us in the next part of No Breaks, No Fear.
4: No Breaks, No Fear. The official British Speedway podcast. Welcome back, I'm Ian
1: Brannan and in this final part of the podcast I want to turn the spotlight on one of the success stories of British Speedway of of modern times and certainly something that has has taken my life in a different direction And, and it's been fantastic for me to be a part of but I know so many people have have enjoyed watching the coverage of BSN, the British Speedway Network, which has brought championship-level Speedway into the homes and onto the mobile devices or wherever uh, for Speedway fans, not only in the UK, but also around the world. And BSN will be back even bigger in 2023, and we'll hear more about that in just a moment. But uh, one of the men behind the project is uh, Ben Duffel, along with Martin Hunter. And uh, this time last year, Ben was an outgoing promoter at Redcar Speedway, where I've been involved for, for quite a long time. And um, a year ago, Ben, this was all just an idea. It was something that I know you talked about um, as a possibility. And um, you had this knowledge that perhaps streaming could work. You, you knew the the obstacles that needed to be overcome from the, from the BSPL side. And uh, here you are a year further on, and you must be pretty happy with how it's all turned out.
3: Yeah, it's been... A bit of a surreal journey, really. Um, You know, we have got to pinch ourselves every now and then to see how far we've come in such a short space of time. But, yeah, at this point last year, it it was an idea. We didn't actually pitch the idea to the BSPL until January. Um, So, yeah, it's just happened so quickly. Um, I, I think there were probably points this time last year where I didn't really believe it could happen. Um, But, yeah, big thanks to all of the clubs that put their faith in us and and allowed it to, really.
1: So that was 2022. Uh, 2023, BSN is back and even bigger, and 35 championship matches, that's already been announced, which is the same as as this last year. Uh, That'll also include championship riders individual, the championship pairs, the British Under-21 championships as well. Uh, Plus, of course... Um, BSN was involved this year with the Premiership Pairs. The big news this week is that BSN will be covering Premiership matches in 2023. Tell us more about that, because obviously this goes um, alongside the existing Eurosport coverage as well. So it's further enhancing the coverage of British Speedway
3: and um, Premiership Speedway is coming to BSN. Yeah, great news. Really excited to be working with the top tier as well obviously we, we covered the premiership pairs which we really enjoyed and um you know the, the premiership came to us fairly early on to ask us if we would work with them on that which we were really keen to do. The idea was to to stream two or three meetings from every track plus the premiership pairs and the knockout cup final as well, which which we've agreed to do. So yeah, we're we're going to have a a bumper schedule next year. We've we've got thirty five championship meetings again, and we'll be working with the Premiership to to cover nineteen of their fixtures. So, uh, it's going it's going to be a busy busy year for us. But it, it's something we're really excited about. Um, you know, when we when we first started the British Speedway Network you know, the name British Speedway Network, um, you know, there was no coincidence that we chose that. We felt that's this was a product not just for the championship, but it could involve the whole of British Speedway. The, the NDL is, is a league we'd, we'd like to work with as well. Um, we really need to look at what's possible, um, really, for us to achieve next year because we, we've taken on a lot now with the Premiership and the Championship. So, um, yeah, just trying to figure out team-wise whether we, we can actually commit to any more than that. What we don't want to do is commit to too much and and see a drop in quality. That's not what anybody wants. But, you know, RUM wasn't built in a day. This was always a project that was going to take a little time to grow. But we are, um, bit by bit. And we, we've got lots of other exciting plans for, for BSN going forwards as well.
1: People will say, just to sort of play devil's advocate, some people will say, well, it's great having so much available. Um, on TV, but does this take away from the gate? Does this take away from people coming into to the stadiums? Now, my personal view on this is, firsthand, having been at the at the the matches with with BSN, I don't think it does. The, the, there have been great crowds um, where we've been, places like Pool, been to Leicester, uh, Redcar. You know, all these all these places have had. Good crowds, And I think the ones that perhaps where people will say, well, the crowd was maybe a bit less, are usually fixtures that have been rearranged. You know, ones that weren't originally in the calendar. It was a, It's a re- restaging of a rain off that's been put on a day that maybe isn't already ideal whether BSN are there or not. So what would your view on that be when, when people mention that kind of thing?
3: So we started streaming at Red Cow and I was a promoter there. Um, and that's kind of where this all began. And and we certainly didn't see any any difference in our gates. I think the answer to that would be if, if clubs really felt it was affecting the gates that much, they wouldn't be streaming themselves. What we found with our data is that usually we're pulling in people who wouldn't go to that track anyway. For example, uh, if we're streaming in Glasgow, we open up to a whole new audience now that and not necessarily just watching from that area or the away fans it's, it's across the entire country I and mean, further than that, you know, we, our audience spans the entire world. So we're opening up these meetings to people to watch that wouldn't necessarily have watched anyway. So, um, no, I, there will be one or two who maybe choose a stream over a live speedway. I would say they are the vast minority, um, there is no replacement for live sport that there there just isn't um it doesn't matter how good a broadcast or a stream is it doesn't compare to actually being there you know getting the smells the sounds the whole atmosphere everything um so our aim is always to supplement um and bring in people who wouldn't necessarily go to these uh meetings and to support british speedway clubs you know we we um we, we won't go into figures but you know we 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 are um, delivering delivering a, a significant financial um, amount to to each club that works with us. So I I know from some of the, the meetings that we've had with them, you know, it's been a really big help in two thousand and twenty two. And and you know, if we can help these clubs to you know to 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 grow and survive, what is a, a very difficult time for everybody at the moment. Um, if we can supplement that income that they get from the gates as well, then that, that has to be a positive thing for everybody.
1: I think that's an important point to make as well because when you are buying a stream, you know the clubs are taking a, 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 a proportion of that, that fee back in. And so, as you say, for, for somebody who's miles away and is never going to be at that meeting whatsoever and probably otherwise is going to be looking online just to check the result or whatever, I suppose that the club there is gaining a few quid that otherwise would have been going anywhere. It would just be staying in that person's pocket, wouldn't it?
3: exactly um you know we we've seen so many clubs close in recent years as well and and there's a huge fan base around the country now that that don't have a local track to support um you know travel can be you know one two hundred miles or more to to reach your local track now which you know that's not really feasible for for a lot of people to do every week so we we're opening up a door to lots of people who otherwise could be lost to the sport. And, and we, and that's the feedback we're getting, you know, we, we, we do speak to and have a lot of feedback from, from our viewers. Um, And that there's a lot of positivity coming in that way. A lot of people I think could have been lost to the sport now that, you know, that there is an avenue for them to, to watch and to support British Speedway at the same time. So but yeah, our, our our figures and our data shows that the vast majority uh, that are watching these streams are not from the local area. They're, they're from everywhere else in the country.
1: The quality of, of the product, obviously, is of, of paramount importance. And as a result of that, there has been significant investment through the course of the season, hasn't there? Tell us about that, Ben, because I know firsthand the equipment we were using at the start of the season, completely different to the the gear we were using at the end of the season everything got upgraded as we went um, and the stuff we were using to begin with was expensive stuff let's make no bones about it but there's a big difference between high-end gear and then broadcast professional kits which is really what we're using at the, at the end of the season fiber optic cables uh, professional upload and uplink devices that the same as what eurosport use um, you know and that that comes at a premium but that is for the betterment of the overall product, but um, you know, quite a big investment, but really shows your intent.
3: When we started out on this journey, there was a lot of investment put in from our our own savings, but both Martin Hunter's and my own, which in theory should have done the job, um, but yeah, it, it didn't always do what we hoped it would do or what it should have done. Um, so it's been a big learning journey for us as well, broadcasting equipment is not cheap <laughs> it, it's a quite a niche market anything that's quite niche is always going to come at a premium um because they're selling less of this gear to people than they would the mass market for example so so it it, it has been um something we we've had to to build over time as as finances have allowed i think that the big turning point for us was the stream that we did at Edinburgh uh, in at the end of May when we, we we lost basically any ability to connect to the internet and I think at that point we, we knew that if we didn't put in this money um, that there wasn't going to be a business to come out with. You know, customers expect a certain level of service as and they should um, and, you know, that's exactly what we aim to deliver and always have. So, we, we invested a, a significant sum of money after that meeting and have continued to do so as well. We, we've got a lot of upgrades planned for 2023. Um, again, we, we're talking tens of thousands uh, that we're going to have to put into this to make it work. But you know the support that we've had from our subscribers and, and obviously the, the, the members of the BSPL as well, that that's going straight back into what we're doing it's going back into the clubs into british speedway um and into our setup so we can improve um and continue to 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 deliver a service that meets both our and the subscribers expectations so yeah we we've still a long way to go um we, we have very high expectations of ourselves we um i would say martin and i are, are both perfectionists in what we do um And you know, in order to us to for us to reach the standards that we want to reach, a lot of investment has to be made. But that's that's standard with any new business. You know, I've I've um, I've owned and sold a business before. Um, You know, it it's it's not cheap, um, and it takes time. But where the intention's there, the commitment, um, which 100% is, um, you know, then we'll keep improving.
1: BSN's coverage in 2023 for the championship then is is going to be similar but different, if I can say that, because still going to be 35 meetings, but um, in 2022 all of the playoffs were were covered whereas the way that the playoffs are going to work this year is going to mean a change of of format where you might have some clashes so things are going to be spread out slightly differently but one of the key things um which is going to be new about the championship is the bsn series which is largely going to get underway at the start of the season and what a what's an honor to have a tournament Named after BSN after the, after the first year, that's that's pretty incredible.
3: Yeah, a, a huge honour really to to be given the naming rights to to the championships, new competition. Uh, I know that you know the championship are really keen to 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 give this competition some real standing. You know that there have been a few tournaments such as this have come and gone over the years, and that's something <clears throat> that we want to change. Um, so we want something that can become a mainstay for for the championship uh we're looking at completely rebranding that and giving it you know a, a bit of a modern look and and the coverage will be there on BSN for for people to watch as well so that that's something we're really excited about um you touched upon the 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 new structure for our schedule last year we covered every playoff match because of the change in format this year we we looked at that and and the offer was there to do all of the the playoffs as well um but looking at the bigger picture we we don't want to be a reason that the playoffs have to be delayed any longer than they should be you know the playoffs went on for longer than anybody would have liked this year you know the weather played a, a massive part in that if we were in a situation which is very likely to happen where for example, four Friday clubs, there are four clubs resting on a Friday, all qualify for the playoffs and are in those group stages, then the clashes will happen. And in order for us to to cover all of those fixtures, you know, we we just don't have the capacity to cover two two matches at once. People want to watch live as well. Um, so people don't really want to have to watch one and watch the other on demand. So we felt it would be better to cover one from each of those groups. Uh, what that will allow us to do is is to, to pick um, probably the most appealing fixtures uh, as well and, and also to make sure that we we don't cause any delays on the championship side uh, and then move to the finals. So, um, most of those clubs, I think, will be actually covering those other meetings as well so that they won't be lost. You know, if people want to tune in and watch those, they can and they can actually, you know, donate that revenue directly to the clubs. So, You know, the option's still there for people to watch, but this was definitely the best way for us to do it.
1: And looking at the Premiership offering, um, the Premiership coverage is surely going to open up a new audience to BSN because of the... You know, the interest in Premiership Speedway, the interest in these level of riders. Many riders are going to be involved in Extra Liga. We've got a number of G P riders, household names, you know, Jack Holder, Dan Bewley, of course, big star in Poland as he is here. Um we've also got the you know, Tobias Mugelak, Christoph Kasprzak, um and Jason Doyle, you know, other names yet to be announced potentially as well, which could generate certainly big interest in Poland, big ed- big interest around the the Speedway world and to be able to see these riders on BSN wherever they are and um, surely that's going to open up a, a whole new audience.
3: Yeah, looking at the premiership for, for next year, it's looking as, as, st- as strong as ever really to me. You know, we, we've got Four GP stars already named to, to race in the UK. Uh, there are rumours of some very big names um, coming back to British Speedway as well. Uh, whether that materialises or not, I'm I'm not sure. Um, you know, Luke Beck has a reserve in the GPs as well. So, you know, the standards looking good. Um, it, it looks to be an exciting league, and for, for us to to be able to to showcase that as well is. You know, hugely exciting for us, and I'm sure it's something that you know, you know, fans are, are going to be grateful for because, you know, if, if I, I can only speak for myself, but the more speedway, the better. You know, I um, you know, I I, I love watching my speedway, and um, there's going to be some really huge clashes next year. Um, like I say some some big names in the Premiership, and to open up that to um. To people all around the world, is has got to be a positive thing. So, yeah, I, I think it's going to be really well received.
1: Yeah, it 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 is shaping up to be an outstanding year, and as you say, there are some some names I think yet to be revealed potentially. But you know, if it all comes off, I think it's 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 going to be. I mean, people look at the look at the Polish league, but I think. You've got to say that the British League will be a very close second because I think that the excitement levels in both of the top two leagues are going to be more than probably Sweden will deliver, surely, and Denmark. I can't see I can't see another league that's going to have bigger names, bigger clashes than apart from Poland than than the British League next year. Just it just isn't.
3: British Speedway still has a lot to offer. Um, the, the way teams are shaping up next year, um, you know, there's definitely going to be more of a a disparity between the standards in the championship and the premiership. I think, you know, the relaxing of the Polish rules, where last year a lot of these top riders were restricted as to how many leads they can do. Um, They can do one more now, and obviously Britain is high up there on on a, on the wish list of some of these riders to be able to compete. And so the fact that we're seeing some of these names come back, you know, we saw Tobias Mugelac as well come back into British Speedway. we we got Frederick, Frederick Jacobson at Kings Lane, who's a huge talent. Um, it's really, really positive. I'm really liking what I'm seeing in the premiership for next year. I think it's um, it's it's it looks very positive. It's hugely exciting for me. And hopefully that can continue because it's good for these riders too. You know, the UK has always been, if you like, a bit of a, a training ground for some of these riders. We, our tracks are quite unique. You know, racing in Poland every week on these big, fast tracks. Yeah, a lot of these riders can do that week in, week out. But to really hone the skills and, and become better, you know, the UK is, is the obvious place to come and do it just because of that just the diversity of the tracks that we have over here. Um, I'm pretty sure that's why we see the likes of Jason Doyle racing here. You know, he he yeah. he knows that being being able to race his bike as regularly as he can in the UK, which is something the UK can give, which other countries can't, is is a huge positive. And you know, hopefully, we'll see a lot of riders coming back for that reason.
1: No doubt. The question that many will have right now is, Ben, how much is all this going to cost? Because um, the championship coverage, those um, season passes are already on sale. Now, the early bird passes are always the the cheapest way uh, of watching BSN for the upcoming season. That was the case in 2022. Lots of people got involved early doors, paid up front and it worked out a lot cheaper Um, you will be able to buy the individual fixtures if you want to pick and choose of course but if you want to come along for the ride the best way to do it is get in there as early as pos Um, what's the damage going to be ben what's the price for the premiership coverage and and how's it going to work out
3: we do want to offer value for money we we believe that we do the championship package is going out 19 meetings for 79 pounds that's the early bird offer um, available in December. Uh, the prices will rise ever so slightly in January and then come into the start of the season. Um, so it works out at just over £4 a stream. Um, that's for obviously a very high level of speedway in this country. So we, yeah, we, we hope people will view it the same way. Um, you know, I've heard over the seasons several different um, viewpoints on. On where the pricing should be, um, you know, some people comparing, for example, to Netflix and and Prime, and that you can pay as little as ten or eleven pounds, for example, for for a huge service like that. But the, the big difference is our audience. You know, when you're selling to millions, um, it's very different to selling to to hundreds or you know a few thousands. So we we we've set a price point that makes it possible for us. Um, we, as you, you've said, there are huge production production costs for us. Um, you know, every, every single broadcast that, that we send out has a significant price tag attached to it. So we, t- we take that into account and, uh, and also looking at people who, who want to buy the two packages, um, and try and tr- we're, basically we're, we're keeping it at a price point that would cost you typically a, a season ticket for your local club. Um, but instead of getting your 12, 14 fixtures, you're getting 54. So I think that huge, offers huge value for money. Um, and hopefully people will view it the same way.
1: And, and that was be the question, I suppose, that people be saying, well, if I've already bought the championship stuff, is there a, will I be able to sort of add the, the premiership on? Is there, is there a package deal for the whole lot? And you're sort of suggesting there there is.
3: Yeah, we anybody basically who wants to to buy the Premiership and Championship packages together, um, th- there will be a, a, a different price on those from January. Um, it, it equates to what the early bird price is now. Um, right now, if, if people buy the early bird price for the Championship and the Premiership, that that that's as as low low price as they'll get it. Um, you know, the idea of that is to to get us through the winter and to help us to invest for next year. You know, obviously, this is a a point in the season now where we we don't have any income other than that, so that allows us to prepare for for the new season. So those people who commit to us early, they they can take advantage advantage of those those lower prices. Um, but you know, this this is a huge commitment for for both Martin and myself as well. You know, one one stream, for example, it's not just a day. We it's typically, I would say anything from 20 to 24 hours for, for us, for a stream, um, plus all of the promotion and the video editing and everything that goes into it afterwards, the customer service. Um, I would say if we do two streams in a week, that's typically, I would say, 50, 60 hours for, for both of us. So, you know, we, we, we um, yeah, we're, we're fully committed to this and, and it has to allow us to to get through this period and uh, get over the wind to get into next year and, and be in a position where we want to be, which is to, to produce you know, a, a broadcast that, that is on a par we, we, we hope or, or certainly as close to that they would expect with anything they would get from a, a major broadcaster, for example.
1: It's going to be a big year and um, definitely you want to get on those deals now because as they say then they're not going to get any cheaper than they are now um and for the for the, the the championship and the premiership coverage you can have one or the other or you can get both whatever the the, the best deals will be between now and uh, and the end of this year the end of the end of December um find out the info watch.britishspeedway.co.uk is the place to go and you'll find all the info there watch.britishspeedway.co.uk Okay, but grab those deals while they're there. But there will be deals in the new year. Um, But this is the best one right now. There you go. There's your inside tip. Right, the hard sell out of the way. Let's talk about transponders coming into Speedway. We talked about them earlier and uh, BSN, one of the people, uh, one of the organisations that's going to have access to the data and and include that in the broadcast too.
3: It's it's a really positive move for British Speedway. I'm, I'm really pleased that they decided to do that. You know, transponders are a big investment for British Speedway. It'll come, you know, with a, a significant price tag for every club, but it's it's certainly, um, you know, it it's a move, isn't it? Basically, into the the 21st century. You know, some sports have had, such as motocross, and you know, you even go down your local go kart and track. They've all got transponders, and this is a way of getting data, which can can bring something new to the sport. I think the use of that data will will certainly develop over time Um, how much of that we can use initially it probably won't be as much as we can use for example in 2024 but it's it's really pleasing to us um, that British Speedway is moving that way Um, and also that the data is available to us as well you know it's something that we can incorporate into our live streams and and something that you know we're, we're working to do already so yeah, I, I think it's an excellent move and you know they, they deserve a lot of credit for, 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 for doing that.
1: Yeah, it, it, I don't think people quite realise how big a, big a change this is going to be for Speedway, but um, I guess people will find out next year for sure. Um, Finally, Ben, before we finish, obviously this has been a, a terrific season. Um, for BSN and for, for yourself, and, and for Martin in particular, putting all this together and and getting to where it is now. Um, when you look back on the 2022 season, what would be your standout highlights when you when you think back? Uh, of this year you know those moments to, to frame in particular you've been around all the tracks you've both of you have attended all the all the meetings i think yourself and martin are the only ever present really throughout the the, the course of the, the journeys uh right across the land from glasgow to plymouth and, and all places in between um what would be your standout moments
3: it's a tough question um there there have been many um one for me will certainly be working with you guys, you know, and and the the whole team have just been absolutely amazing to work with. Um, you know, there's been some friendships developed from that that will last a long time, and it, it's that that's been one of the most enjoyable parts of it for me, really. Um, it, it's seen us all developed together, um, and the other is is just you know the the really kind and positive feedback we've had from subscribers. Um, We've had some lovely messages and, and some really, you know, um, detailed accounts of what difference this has made to people, particularly those who have been lost to Speedway, um, you know, some who can't physically get there anymore just because, you know, their, their health doesn't allow them to. And, and when we hear this firsthand from people and, and, and what a difference it's made to them, you know, it's, yeah, it's quite touching to hear that, that the service that we've created has had such an impact on so many different people. Um, so, th- yeah, that, that for me is better than, than anything really, is better than any particular stream we've done. When you hear the differences can make to people and how much people have just enjoyed it. Um, yeah, that brings a smile to our face and makes it all worthwhile. We, we love speedway, you know, we, we live for the sport and, you know, to, to be involved in a different way like this and to experience such a different side to it has been, it's been wonderful to experience. I've, I've, I've loved every minute of it, you know, There've, there's certainly been some, some tough times along the way, but, but on a whole, it's, yeah, it, it's been a lot of fun. And and it's great to be involved in the sport. I have been since I was fifteen now in in a various number of roles, um. But I can't say I've enjoyed any as much as I'm enjoying the BSN journey. Uh, it, it's been brilliant, and and I hope it continues for a long time.
1: Undoubtedly, one of the success stories of uh, British Speedway of uh, of this year, and if not of recent times, and really, when you consider everything else that's on offer uh, beyond BSN, of course the Eurosport coverage, Discovery with the Grand Prix coverage. There's still going to be Swedish Speedway and Polish Speedway available on, on TV elsewhere as well. In addition to the individual club streams from various clubs in the uh, in the championship as well, you know, you've know, you never had so much Speedway to uh, to welcome into your homes and uh, find out more about BSN's offering at watch.britishspeedway.co.uk. Thanks very much, Ben, for joining us and um, all the best for the festive period and um, we'll hear from you in in 2023, no doubt.
3: All the best to you, Ian, and and also to all of the, uh, the listeners out there as well. Have a great one.
1: My thanks once again to Ben Duffel from the British Speedway Network. And uh, so you can find out more about bsn on their own website and um well thanks to you as well for listening to the podcast hopefully you found it useful uh, an update on where we're at so far there will be more announcements as the days and weeks uh, continue of course and uh, before you know it it'll be march There'll be pre-season testimonials and then the league season's going to get underway. We'll end of March, start of April time. Before you know it, we'll be there, back in action once again. And um, we we'll, uh, look forward to bringing you all that coverage uh, as and when we get there. Of course, keep up to date with everything happening across British Speedway on the main websites, britishspeedway.co.uk, on the social media channels. Keep an eye out there for uh, for any announcements as and when they happen team announcements are going to continue to uh, to roll in as of course there's there's not too many left now but a few key ones uh, still to come down the pipe as we know but they'll be with you very, very soon indeed. Thanks very much for your company in this podcast and through the course of 2022 as well, uh, for listening if you've uh, caught any of the previous episodes. Of course, if you haven't, you can catch up on them at any time. They're still there with some great guests to uh, listen back to as well. Uh, And um, just a promotion for another podcast I did earlier this year with Kelvin Tatum. Um, We did the first and currently so far the only episode of the uh, podcast Tatum Talks, but we had a good chat with Dan Bewley who, of course, we now is, uh, now know is heading back to, to Bellevue. So have a listen to that. If you want to check out some other Speedway content, just search for Tatum Talks. And uh, what's my other hobby horse? Oh, yes, um, Humans of Speedway, my other podcast. Uh, we will hopefully be updating that very, very soon as well as we head into the new year as well. So look out for those podcasts. Have a great festive break. And we'll be back with you with a new episode as soon as there's anything to say um, here on uh, on no breaks, no fear. Thanks very much. Have a great Christmas and New Year, and here's to 2023.
4: No breaks, no fear. The official British Speedway Podcast, Sports Social Podcast Network.